Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex and downright bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imba. I'm a psychologist, I'm one year out of my marriage, I'm a mum and I'm immersed in the world of online dating. Hi, I'm also your host, Monique Robin. I'm a mum of four kids and a yoga teacher trying to find men who like me rather than my limber joints. So, Amantha, tell me, what have we got on for today's show? We have got the person that created the Bad Dates of Melbourne and Bad Dates of Australia Facebook group on the show, which have literally, I think combined, they've got over 200,000 members. Isn't that crazy? Well, you know, for me, who never looks at the uh, Facebook page and spends hours scrolling through the feed, yeah, that is totally crazy. (laughs) Who would actually follow that group? No, I am actually probably one of their top fans. So, no, it's not crazy. Not crazy at all. So we've got Alita on the show and we chat to her about getting some uh, good advice about how to avoid bad dates. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, she's really pragmatic and she's very, very direct in her approach and I really like that. It's refreshing. So, Monique, how has your week in dating been? Well, it's been interesting actually. I haven't been on any dates and, in fact, I haven't really met anyone that I would progress to an in-person date. But I do want to make mention of this guy that I've been chatting to online because I found it to be quite hilarious and I feel like I've done a service to yoga teachers nationwide and perhaps like internationally by telling you about this. So you know, Amantha, growing up, I've always had envy of your um, really well-proportioned feet. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, which are like normal-sized feet, I think. Yeah, and I've always admired your feet and when I've seen your shoes off your feet, I've gone, oh, your shoes are so cute because I (laughs) – And Amantha's shoes, for everybody listening, are not that cute. It's just that they're not gigantic. So I am quite a, I I don't know, small to medium build person. Would you agree? Yep. But I have exceptionally large, solid, fat feet. (laughs) Right. Okay, so there's the backstory. I'm chatting to this guy who's really cute. And then he's like, so you're a yoga teacher? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, I love yoga teachers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go. The same like, oh, because you're flexible, this, that. And anyway, it turns out that it wasn't because I'm flexible or any other sort of yoga-related stereotype that I was about to have placed on me. He goes, I love the fact that yoga is largely a reclined practice and I have barefooted women walking around my head. Oh, what? And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I've got a massive foot fetish. How long had you known him for before he's sharing this? Like maybe three or four written exchanges before we got onto that topic, maybe seven by the time he shared it. So this isn't even like on a 
a Zoom date no, or no, something. No, no, no. This is like the initial contact and then those texts you might have throughout one day. You know what I mean? Oh, my god. So anyway, I said to him, oh, I actually don't have that nicer feet. He was actually really, really upset by that because what do you mean? You're a yoga teacher. <laughs> you have to wear, you're, you, you can't wear shoes. I said, yeah, I've got a foot that's massive, wide, flat and pronated. And he said, but you're a yoga teacher. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know. And he goes, but, but how? Like he was genuinely intrigued. And then we got onto this topic. So he was offended that I dare take up the vocation of yoga teaching with awful feet, right? Is he asking for like a, a foot pick to be sent through? Oh, yeah. We first went through that. Oh, no, you don't. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you're just saying that. Uh, let me be the judge. Send me a photo. And it wasn't until I got into that visual description of my big, wide, fat, long feet. And you'll see my um, shoes outside a studio because I'm a yoga teacher and they will look like they're like the the giant's <laughs> shoes, you know. So anyway, um, he's like, send me a pic, send me a pic. And I said, no. And I said, I appreciate my fat feet. And he goes, but, but you can't. They're like, they're wrong. Anyway, I said, I think it's wrong that you come to a yoga class to perv on the yoga teacher's uh, feet. I think that is the problem here, yes. I said, I think that's creepy. And then he goes, but you as a yoga teacher can't decide why I come to yoga. Like some people come for physical uh, exercise, some people come for emotional. He's telling me why people come to a bloody yoga class. And I said, yeah, and very few people come to perv on yoga teachers' feet. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're making a gross assumption there. <laughs> I guess you're not even back at face-to-face classes, but do you reflect on other classes and go, oh, now, now that you mention it? There was a lot of interest in my feet. Like, do you think this is possibly more common than you think? Well, maybe that frightens me. Like, there are those creepy people that come just to be physically adjusted, like to to have their to body be touched. Yeah, to be touched. There are weirdos out there that will purposely be misaligned in a shape and not respond to your verbal cues, so that you then have to give them a physical adjustment in order to get them to oh the right shape. God. And there are also creepy people. And don't get me wrong, this isn't always with creepy intention. But that will say to you at the start of the class, "I really." love physical adjustments so please permission granted touch me as much as you need some of them will actually just be giving you permission so that they can get the alignment right in their practice but there are a lot that you clearly wow so now i'm really nervous to go back in studio and not be able to provide the foot fetish people with what they need (laughs) because i really don't think i'm the poster child for nice feet but it also made me realize that you can't assume that the the way you see yourself is necessarily the way they're going to see you. So, yeah, I don't like my feet, but foot fetish could actually mean that he likes all different types of feet or he likes weird feet. But in his case, he didn't. He liked the conventional. Normal feet. Normal feet. <laughs> normal feet. He liked normal feet. So I said, you and I, we can't meet. I can't fulfill. A, I think it's creepy that you've got a foot fetish for yoga teachers. Yeah. <laughs> like not the foot fetish, but the fact that he goes to yoga classes to seek, yeah. you know, enjoyment through his foot fetish. Anyway, so that was quite disappointing. And that's really the only highlight of my week in dating. What about you? Do you have anything to talk about? I think something I'm finding is that I've been doing a lot of Zoom dating and I feel like I'm just in this stage where I'm just kind of on the fence. Like no one's 
no one's kind of grabbing me and, and, and making me go, oh, I really want to see them in person. But then no one's like, well, I haven't encountered any weird fetishes, <laughs> so that's a tick. But uh, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with there's weird fetishes. No, nothing wrong with weird fetishes. Is unusual how quickly that fetish was brought up, but, you know, I guess good to be upfront about these things. Um, but, yeah, I'm just finding I'm just going through this stage of being really on the fence and I feel like I don't know whether I should be just pushing myself to go, okay, just give them a second chance because like most people are not fully themselves in that first video conversation. And particularly now that Melbourne's opening up, it's a little bit easier to say meet for a drink at a bar or something. But then I'm also the efficiency side of me is like, ah, oh, well, if I wasn't really feeling it, is that just a waste of my time? So this is the dilemma that I've found I've been struggling with in the last couple of weeks. Just a few people I'm on the fence about. I think it's interesting though, but we've talked about this in the past, Amantha. You tend to be somebody that can warm to a person. And I think for that reason, you've got to really assess what type of person are you in past experiences. Like, as you know, I get pretty staunch in the way I feel about somebody. And even if they perhaps could have um, been my type of person, I'm almost like not allowing myself to go there. But you, I think, have got that space. And I have, I do remember past dates that you've been on where you've liked the person, you've seen some good qualities, but you haven't been instantly attracted. And you've gone out on a date and then really fallen for them again. So I I reckon you should actually give them a second chance so long as you can see some good qualities. Yeah. So so by that logic, should I just be progressing to a face-to-face date if there were no deal breakers in the video chat, let's say? Yeah, you should. That should just be my rule of thumb. And also that deals with the efficiency thing. Instead of having three or four video dates and still being on the fence, because I also think a lot of it is there's no deal breakers, as you put it, and yet you're not like instantly attracted. I think that is a really good indicator that you need to quickly take it to the next level to see if attraction manifests face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause like I'm thinking about one guy that I was on the fence with, and this was maybe five days ago now. Is that really poor form to text after five days and go, Hey, remember our Zoom date from nearly a week ago? Want to catch up? I feel like that's almost rude. But if I were to take your advice that like, yeah, I've got someone in mind that I would. Hang on. My advice wasn't to wait five days. <laughs> I know. That's rude. It feels You're terrible. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't blame me for your rudeness. No, I actually think that, yes, that's rude. What a bitch. <laughs> but what I also think is that it's, it's better to call him or text him after five days than ghost him because that's essentially what you just did. Yeah, you're not yeah, calling it. Yeah, true. Yes, yes true. Do okay. it. All right. Well, I'll I'll do that and I will report back if uh, yes if he do. says yes. Okay. Yeah, he probably isn't <laughs> going to reply. So another person involved in this equation. So yes. <laughs> All right. So that was our week in dating. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest, who is Alita Bryden. Alita is a writer, dating expert, and the creator of Bad Dates of Melbourne and Bad Dates of Australia, two Facebook groups that have been called a national phenomenon by the media with a cult following of almost 200,000 people. Alita is an expert on dating and she's also an expert on bad dates. So Monique and I were very excited to have Alita on the show. So let's 
head to Alita. Alita, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Okay. I want to start with the worst date story that you have heard because I'm imagining you have heard thousands and probably experienced many yourself. So what's like the absolute worst one? Oh my gosh, the absolute worst one. Probably the one where a woman went on a date with a broken leg and her date ran off with her crutches when he got rejected. Now that is... Shocking. Uh, (laughs) But on the other hand, I mean, there are some real uh, common horror stories like, for example, you know, the long-term cheating story comes up fairly often where, you know, married people go on dates and, you know, everyone's very disappointed and, you know, that's a disaster. Um, And then there's, I could could talk about this for ages. I've I've talked to people about thousands of bad dates now and, you know, they're all uh, sometimes interesting, sometimes heartbreaking, but, you know, always very intriguing. And I know for you, I think when I was researching for this interview, I read that you've been on around 200 dates. I'm not sure how up to date that statistic is. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I want to know, like, what have you learned? Like, what are your biggest tips on how to avoid potential bad dates? I think my biggest tip would be not to put everything into the date. And by that, I mean, the happier your life is as a single person without a relationship, the more hobbies you have, the more content you are in your career, uh, the better you are at seeing those red flags in the dates because you kind of approach the date not needing something, if that makes sense. Like, it's like you see the date and you can take it or you can leave it. And I think when you have a really happy, fulfilled life, it just makes dating so much easier because it's kind of like, you know, there's no, I don't want to say the word desperation because that's not a very nice word, but I mean, it's kind of like dating becomes a cherry on top as opposed to the whole Sunday. Yeah, I think you're right. It it all comes from within, doesn't it? Like making yourself feel good before you project that to others. I was looking at your Facebook group because I am a member and I find it very, very entertaining. And (laughs) I also get a lot of solace out of it myself. I usually go and scroll through your feed when I've gone on a bad date myself. (laughs) But what I did notice is that a large bulk of the input on your forum is bad date experiences around the topic of etiquette and who is paying and being chivalrous but also honouring gender equality. What have you found from the input you've received on the forum and what's your advice? I love that you've brought this up because this is one of the topics that you'll find that public comment and private comment are very different. So in public, people are very much like, you know, we should all pay for ourselves. It should all be equal. Um, you know, I always, I always offer to pay. And then privately in the Bad Dates of Melbourne inbox, you can actually see that there is a lot of pressure on men to pay for a date. And a lot of the time, uh, when women recount their dates, um, where heterosexual women recount their dates, they'll make comments like, he paid for everything. Like that's a very important uh, thing to note that he paid for everything and that is a sign of him being, you know, a valuable uh, partner, someone who's making the effort. So, you know, it really is still an issue. That being said, I mean, like 
we should be able to pay for ourselves if we go on a date. I mean, if we're looking for an equal partnership, surely we should be able to pull, you know, pull our own weight when it comes to buying coffee and a palm or whatever. It seems ridiculous that we're not. So, um, you know, personally, when it comes to going on dates, I like to take turns in paying, like I'll pay first and then they can pay second and it kind of evens out that way. It's interesting. I must say that because I guess there are a certain group of men out there that still believe in the traditional etiquette and being chivalrous, I kind of worry when I'm on a date and a guy is pretty indifferent about me paying, I guess what I feel is that maybe they're not, you know, making any indication that they're interested in me because I know that guys often do pay. And whilst I'm happy to be equal sort of after the first date, I kind of feel like it's it's a gesture that I'm still holding on to. And do you think that's almost letting down the rest of my female cohort in terms of gender equality? <laughs> Not really, because the, the thing is like, we all have a different approach to dating and communication. So there's not really a, a right or wrong way to do it. I've spoken to a lot of guys who, you know, they want to make the effort to pay for the first date. They insist, they insist, they insist. Whereas me, on the other hand, I will also insist, insist, insist that we go uh, and split it. But, you know, maybe we're just not such a good match. So, I mean, you know, like I was saying before, dating, there's no hard and fast rules. It's just do what works best for you and what's respectful. I want to ask what you've learned about predicting what kind of people will will lead to a bad date? Like do you now look back at all the bad dates that you've been on and go, ah, yeah, there was that warning sign that I overlooked, there was that one. Can you share some things that we should be looking out for perhaps when we're messaging with someone or even in a phone or a Zoom chat that might be predictive of having a, a bad face-to-face date? Yeah, there's actually one big one that I always recommend people do. So generally, not not always, but generally people will meet on a dating app and they'll have a conversation of a couple of days and then they'll meet. So when I match with someone on a dating app, and I know this sounds incredibly uh, sterile and boring, but after we've talked for a couple of hours, I'll go back through the conversation and have a little bit of a, a look and kind of go, okay, so I asked about his day, did he ask about my day when I asked him about his hobbies did he ask me back like is the conversation like an equal conversation where we're both inquiring equally about each other's interests and lives or am I driving the conversation entire conversation entirely myself am I pushing for the connection so I kind of do a little bit of a, a look and kind of tell whether you know the conversation is an equal conversation or whether it's a one-sided conversation with me doing all of the work generally I find when I do that kind of bit of a uh, recce, you can look, you know, when you go on the date, you can tell whether they're going to make an effort to actually engage you in conversation and be an interesting person or whether you're kind of just pushed for a bit of a connection yourself. And I think for me, looking back on my dating history, I can tell um, that I've been on dates uh, and been in even short-term relationships where I've pushed for the connection, but the other person's been, you know, kind of just sitting back and, you know, a lot less invested. Whereas now I kind of step back and do a little bit of an evaluation to see whether things are equal. And, you know, that's what I want in in the end, someone who's equally invested in me as I am in them. I love that as advice. Yeah. I dated someone earlier this year who 
I really liked at first, so I didn't mind the fact that he talked a lot about himself, <laughs> but maybe five or six dates in, that begins to wear thin. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Is there anything else that you found that tends to predict someone being a not very good date? Um, look, there, there are a lot of different things. I, I, this, this one's a real basic one and it sounds so obvious, but you want to be dating someone who's actually really keen to spend time with you. And that could be texting you back or even, uh, you know, making the effort to say, you know, what are you doing this weekend? I mean, not that we're doing much of that in isolation at the moment, but <laughs> theoretically, like, what are you up to this weekend? Because, you know, I, I spent a lot of my twenties staring at my phone wondering uh, when is this guy going to text, when is he going to make plans and I would wait and, you know, you would put out the bait and be like, oh, I'm free this weekend but then they wouldn't say anything. Nah, not into that. It's really good to date someone who's proactive about making that effort to see you, to text you, to spend time with you. I mean, some of us are very busy, you know, we're going to have different expectations of, you know, what that means and how much enough is but, I mean, you want that real basic enthusiasm. And if it's not there, I mean, you're not going to be able to stay in a short-term, long-term or even longer-term relationship like a marriage or whatever. I mean, you need the effort. So on that topic of tolerance, I find that now that I'm second time around, I've been married and I'm on the dating scene again, I feel that my tolerance levels have reduced dramatically. So if, for example, I'm on a bad date, which has happened quite a few times, <laughs> in the, the pre-marriage me would have created an intricate scenario to extricate myself from this bad date, I probably would have texted Amantha and said to her, please ring me in five minutes with an emergency to get me off this date. And then she would elaborately do just that. Now I am pretty much happy to be on a date 10 minutes in and say, nah, not feeling it. Sorry. Don't want to waste your time. How do you feel about extricating and tolerance levels, especially for say the majority of our listeners who have been there, done that, and are probably time poor because they've got other things happening in their life, children right, as one. <laughs> should we should we still sort of try and be polite and, and make sure we don't, you know, hurt somebody's long-term 
mental health or or do we just call it? I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like with online dating these days, I mean, you've got so many choices, but that makes us, you know, 10 times pickier. So it's like, okay, am I, am I being picky because, you know, I can move on to the next one tomorrow or is this person actually presenting me with a deal breaker? Um, so have a think about that. But that being said, I mean, like, I think it's perfectly fine to put your hand up and leave a date after the first 10 minutes if you're not feeling it, if you're feeling confident that you're not feeling it because I mean life is short and we've all got better things to do than to be on bad dates and like I was saying earlier if you've got a rich and fulfilling life I mean why would you want to sit there on a bad date for the next two hours when you can go home and you know watch the new season of The Bachelorette or whatever I mean there's better things to do and in terms of uh, leaving dates I think people get very caught up on uh, being, you know, truthful and honest about leaving a bad date. Like, you know, how do I leave a bad date? How do I get out of that situation without, you know, being rude? But I mean, just, you know, say you've got a headache and leave. I don't think that we owe our one-off dates this, you know, deep degree of honesty. I think it's perfectly fine to just have a headache and get out of there. So yeah, look, if you're sure you're not feeling it, you know, get on with your life and get out of there. So is that your go-to excuse? Because I'm just wondering, like, what I'd love to get a variety of different excuses that I can use on bad dates. I could imagine myself using a headache, but I'd feel, I don't know, I want something a little bit wittier, more creative. Like, what, what are some of the excuses that you found have gone down, like, not terribly on your bad dates? I don't want to, you know, dob myself in, but, you know, I do get headaches from time to time, so headaches is a good excuse for me. But before you go on a date, if you're not a super confident person and, you know, not everyone is, not to say that you're not, but, you know, not everyone is, have an excuse lined up in your head so that you're ready to pull it out if you need to pull it out. Sometimes it can be as simple as saying, you know, I've got another engagement to go to after this. So, you know, you sit down and you say, oh, just letting you know I've got a head off after the first hour because, you know, I'm meeting up with a friend. Uh, give yourself an escape plan. Leaving a date is a skill, to be honest. And I think for a lot of women, the confidence to lead it, leave a date is something that they have to work up towards. Not to say that it should, but I mean, it can be hard for a lot of women. But be confident and do your best and pull out whatever excuse you've got to do to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, actually, Amantha and I have a pretty long running formula that we do use. So I'll text her I'll text her 10 minutes into her date mm-hmm. and if she doesn't reply, it means it's a good one. And <laughs> if she then rings me back and goes, oh, my God, are you all right? Okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes, then it's a bad one. I love that. And the reason I brought it up is because I just feel bad. Amantha's really busy and I'm really busy and we don't want to rely on each other for our exit strategies. We actually had a great one on Bad Dates of Melbourne once, a woman who uh, she brought a guy back to her house and it wasn't going well. So she texted her friend and she said, oh, you've got to get me out of this date. This guy's not leaving my house. What do I do? So the friend called her back and she says, I'm giving birth. You need to come to the hospital. So I love it. She goes to her date. Sorry, um, you're going to have to leave it immediately. I've got to go to the Royal Melbourne. So she kicks the date out. She gets into an Uber. The Uber driver's like right off to the hospital and she goes, no, nah, we're not going to the hospital. We're going to McDonald's. So she went through the drive-thru <laughs> and went back home with her quarter pounder or whatever it is that she got and went back into her house minus the bad date. So, I mean, whatever works. 
I thought you were going to tell me that the bad date offered to drive her to the hospital. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That would be a situation I'd find myself into, in which case I'd then ring a man and go, he's coming to the hospital, please go there and pretend you're in labour with a pillow under your butt. Because <laughs> Amantha and I can get pretty elaborate yeah. in our plotting and scheme. <laughs> I noticed recently something a contributor said sparked your interest and he was mentioning that there are established groups uh, for women that are just trying to scam men for meals and you asked for him to direct you and I noticed that conversation died out he didn't follow through with his direction did you end up getting to the bottom of it if there are available groups for organizing scamming of meals No, and that's why I was asking, to be honest, because, I mean, there are definitely on the internet groups for women to name and shame dates. Not that I'm endorsing that or anything, but they do exist. And, you know, they talk about dating and all of that kind of thing. But I've never seen an active online forum within Australia where women are getting together to scam meals. I've never heard of that happening. I've never had it reported to me. People can be quite dodgy with dating, but like that specific thing I've never seen. That being said, I don't know if you've seen um, all of the uh, pickup artist stuff uh, online with all of the pickup artists in Melbourne sharing their tips and tricks to pick up women in Melbourne. So, you know, no. that's, that stuff does go around. I don't know how active it is anymore, especially now during coronavirus, but there are pickup artists in Melbourne lurking on Burke Street Mall and, you know, State Library and QV and all of those places. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll send you a link. How do we look out for them and not be scammed by them or tricked by them? Uh, Generally, a pickup artist in Melbourne uh, will kind of generally do the same thing. I think it's called day gaming is what it's called. So, um, you know, you'll be, you know, hanging around Burke Street Mall, for example, and then a guy will just completely out of the blue randomly approach you and start chatting to you, chatting you up. And they'll do certain things like they might touch your arm or they might kind of neg you or, you know, do whatever. And can you explain what a neg is for people that don't know? It's essentially a little bit of a put down to put you in your place to boost them up a little bit, which theoretically makes the playing field a bit more even for them. So someone might say to you something like, you blink an awful lot. (laughs) And I mean, I've had this before. Like I look back, you know, being at bars and stuff, and I have had men approach me and say things like, you know, you blink a lot and you kind of, you know, not knowing this pickup artist culture, you might think that's a strange comment. But I mean, the last time someone told me I blinked a lot, I think I won't say what bar I was in, but I was on Chapel Street. And I think I looked back at him and I was like, nice line, mate. But I mean, I've read the game, so good luck. Off you go. And he just scuttled off like they do. I mean, there really is a pickup artist culture, but I think that it's dying the more prominent digital becomes. Wow, that is scary. I remember reading the game on holidays many years ago and just going, oh my goodness, thank God that doesn't exist here. But well, it does. So another question I've got is, I think Monique and I consider ourselves to be like fairly good to date, but now I'm kind of wondering from all the stories that you've heard, how do women be a good date? And I like, obviously there's obvious things like have a shower, brush your teeth, like be kind. But what are, I guess, some less obvious things that we can do to to 
be good dates in this world? Good question. Like it's such a boring answer, but it's just about being respectful to the other person and, you know, thinking about how they'll interpret things. It can be really basic things like when you uh, make a date, follow through on it. Like don't make a date if you think to yourself, oh, you know, 40% chance I'm going to bail on this because people are super flaky on dating apps. But um, I think the difference between uh, dating for men, straight men and straight women on um, apps like Tinder and whatever is when you're a woman, you've got thousands of matches to choose from, but men and, you know, men don't get that many matches <laughs> in, in return. So um, it is a big deal for some people to line up a date. So don't be flaky and be respectful and you know, just just try to be nice to the other person. But yeah, you know, I think I think generally, women aren't too bad at dates. They can be awkward, but I mean, they're not dangerous or anything. So, you know, I think we're doing okay. That's pretty fair. Any advice for male listeners on how they can be good dates? Again, it comes down to the same thing. It's about being respectful and making your date feel, I think for women, we want to feel safe because a lot of the time we don't feel safe on dates. And I think uh, men tend to forget that sometimes. Like for example, many years ago, I was chatting to a guy and he was like, oh, I'll pick you up at your house. And I was like, no, you won't pick me up at my house because I'm not giving you my address. And it led to this very awkward, stilted conversation about safety. And he felt that I was, you know, pointing my finger at him and I, I wasn't. But, you know, this is what women think about. And I think if you're a guy dating, it is about respect and acknowledging the fact that, you know, we do feel a little bit wobbly about dating and we want to feel secure. So, yeah, just making us feel safe and respected. Yeah. And look, something else I'm interested in, again, because of the vast amount of experience you've had on dates. If we get to that face-to-face date, how long should we give a guy before we finalise our judgement and just call it like (laughs) this is a bad date? I think first of all, trust your gut and second of all, be prepared to be to act on it and be confident to act on what your gut is telling you and I think you know sometimes um, our gut might be telling us something but we're feeling you know you know societal pressure not to do anything you know pressure not to leave or whatever trust your gut act on it and go from there yeah good advice well Alita it's been awesome having you on the show if people want to connect with you or connect with your Bad Dates groups, how can they best do that? Uh, Bad Dates of Melbourne and Bad Dates of Australia on Facebook are my two pages or you can find them on Instagram as well or me on Alita Bryden with an extra N on the end on Instagram for all of my dating advice and stuff there. It has been enlightening, especially knowing that there are pickup artists around Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's blowing my mind. Thank you so much, Alita, for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So, Amantha, tell me, what did you find most interesting about what Alita had to say? I liked her confidence in just calling bad dates early, like after 10 minutes, just going, yeah, this is not, this is just not working. I liked that. I feel like particularly for face-to-face dates, I struggle to call it early, but I'm quite inspired by uh, how Alita is approaching that. 
Yeah, and I think just her stating that gives you the confidence to remember that going in. So when you are in that situation and you're having that conversation or that battle in your mind going, oh, I can't be rude, I've got to just sit it out, things might change, to actually know that you've got that plan in your mind to say, no, sorry, I want out. I think that's actually a great bit of advice. Yeah, I like. I could have used it during the week. I went on a socially distant walk during the week and I think I knew within – about half an hour because I kept in my mind, I was like, just give him the benefit of the doubt, give him the benefit of the doubt. And like, I didn't need to, he, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't there. But then I, I didn't call it early and I ended up, we ended up hanging out for about an hour and a half, which was probably an hour too long. And you probably felt frustrated because your time's valuable. Yeah. And I also feel because I am quite transparent with my emotions, I really, it takes more energy to just be polite and friendly when really I was feel I was just being driven up the wall by some of his comments. So yeah, I feel like a challenge that I'm going to set for myself is the next face to face date that I go on. If I'm just not feeling it, I'm going to call it earlier. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to feel uncomfortable about doing that, but I'm going to try and do that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. It even could work if you incorporated your other strategy that you use on video calls where you get set a timer and maybe say before you meet up, look, this is going to just be a quick date because I've got something to do afterwards and then you can protract it if it's going well. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'm going to do that. That is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from. And we will see you next time. See you soon.